0: Hey there, welcome to ATL 29, a Peace Troops podcast where you look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Shenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on Wednesday evening and uh, the Hawks made a trade for DeJounte Murray today. Uh, where do you want to start, Glenn? The price tag. Uh, you know,
1: I was, I
0: was, um, when
1: Woes first broke the, the tweet, uh, I think he was first. I don't, I, I apologize. He wasn't the very first, but that's the first one I saw. I was like, okay, are, are there going to be protections? Surely there are some protections because nobody, I I don't remember the last time someone traded future picks that were completely unprotected. I I, I can't remember the last time that happened. So this is an outlier from, from that vantage point. And, you know, I, I don't think anyone's surprised that the Hawks acquired Murray because there's been so much noise and, and rumor and reporting and all that around it. But I, I was uh I guess shocked that there wasn't at least like top three protection and at least the first year of the picks or what have you. But um you know you asked a good question earlier today about can they protect picks out that far out. And I have to sit down to kind of re familiarize myself with how that might impact that. But uh yeah, I mean unprotected picks, completely unprotected picks. Um I was I was surprised there were at least top like three you know protections or something like that what about you
0: yeah i forgot to double check the arithmetic on that because i don't know how long you can postpone it or delay it or move it forward right uh but if there was a theoretical possibility then there really you know it, it doesn't have to be like lottery protection like you said top three protection would would suffice uh even if you have to move it forward a year like instead of 25 and 27 make it 24 and 26 so that you can put that protection on there i think to really have a good idea for the price you have to find out what the competing offers were and we don't really know what those were yet i don't believe (coughs) and maybe we never will but you know the knicks have now a barrel full of first round picks and protected first round picks at their disposal that if they really wanted to make a competing offer, you know, they could put some volume together there in in a deal for Murray. So maybe that compelled the Hawks to bump up the price, but we don't know what they were bidding against and, you know, how much they, you know, if they did, how much they might've overpaid by uh, when you see that competing offer, but it's, it's, it's rare. Um, You know, I think you can mitigate it if you have sort of everybody on the same page. Um, there's, you know, there's still like a 1% chance that this goes completely pear-shaped. Uh, you know, Trey has a, an injury season, or if uh, if Trey at some point decides, hey, you know, I've got a year left on my deal, uh, look at this uh, Garden of Eden over here at this other team, I'd really like to be there, um, you know, there there is a there is a potential that it it could go really really wrong uh because of that lack of protection so it's it's a risky deal um it's hard to know what the hawks were competing against but uh you know if you get ownership at least at the very least on the same page to say you know hey uh you know we're going to have to you know keep at it pay to stay competitive up to the level of at least sort of the fringe of the tax And, you know, if you have that, you should be able to stay competitive where, you know, we're, we're talking about picks that are in the bottom 20 of the first round, but, uh, you know, if it's just kind of go for broke and we'll, we'll see what happens and then it's really, really risky. I would say that you would definitely want to have, uh, some conference with everybody involved in ownership to, to make sure that, um, that you're going to make a push to stay competitive through those picks. And, and if you do, then, you know, the fact that uh, they, you know, hopefully wouldn't fall in the top 10 and decidedly wouldn't fall in the top five uh would be a good thing. Cause you know, most of the time the number one pick is going to a team that's going into the season, you know, is, is not trying to be competitive. So. Right yeah for you sure should right? be able to mitigate it but it's still it's still a, a catastrophic but small risk
1: yeah agreed and i think the the big thing for me i'm kind of say the obvious here is in the rare moment that you win the lottery and then we've seen in the last few years a team that like barely misses the playoffs like like the pelicans landed zion williamson you know they were very mathematically unlikely to get that one and and then the as as we've seen the league move towards basically no one moving unprotected picks, we've seen even like top one protected, just like hey, if we win the lottery, we we'll want to keep that pick because I, I mean, that what are the odds of you know, how long is it going to take to what 20 years, you know, to, for us to you know, mathematically have a, another shot at landing there again. Um, but you know, th- there's a lot to sort out that is probably going to take a few more days. Um, like a, a question I think a lot of us have is why is it, um, why did it start, what is it, uh, now I'm drawing a blank on the years, it's 25 and 27? Yeah. yep. and the 26 is the swap, right? Yep. So why that far out, right? Why Why are they? Why did they not start that sooner? Um, there's a few things that are going on there. One is the Spurs might be saying, like, you, if you have Trey and DeJounte for the next few years, probably going to be pretty good, right? Um, and the Spurs are probably looking at past DeJounte's current contract, you know. Um, the Hawks are, from the Hawks side, they're probably saying to themselves, all the picks are within the timeline of Trey's current extension, right? So they're all within. I don't the... think they are. Like twenty-seven isn't. So we got the twenty-three draft, 24, 25. Oh wait, never no, right. mind. It's a five-year yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah it's I guess five-year five deal. Then. I mean, yeah. the last year is a player option, so yeah. you know. So you know there's some there's some stuff there, right. um, but they still ha- should have a audit control. But I mean, superstars can still force their their way out and things like that. But if he forces his way out, you have to presume they're going to get good picks back. You know, so it's not like you know in that scenario you don't kind of probably refill the draft chest, you know, draft asset chest and things like that. But the other thing I'm I'm curious about is you know we keep hearing like the Hawks are still looking to do business, and and we know they're like we're bumping up right against the tax, not even with an incomplete roster right now. Um, do they have something in the works where they need to do a deal with a team that wants picks right away? <laughs> you know, so that they could still end up sending out uh, I guess 20 the next year's pick. It was the only one they couldn't send out 24, right? They can't send out 26 because of the stepping rule and then the pick swap 26. So maybe they need next year's pick, you know, to kind of do some business that they have kind of teed up once the league year turns over. Um you know, in a, in a couple of days, you know, so, or, which is, I guess, what tomorrow, I guess, technically. Um, but so, I mean, it's, there's going to be a lot to see, like, do they move JC, do they move Herder or Bogey to give themselves a little bit or more room under the, under the tax. And, but we've also seen some reporting that they're still looking to add another, Like, I think the terminology was impact player, impact veteran, you know, that can help, can help them this season. Um, and so, you know, it's good. It's, it's a little hard to kind of grade all of that, but, you know, it's. I, I think it's fair to say it's unorthodox at this point in time to have unprotected picks. I bet if we sat down and looked at the at the CBA, I, mean, I would use the CBA FAQ. I'm not going to read <laughs> the CBA anyway, and I do a ton of contract review in my day in my day job, so I'm just not going to do it. Um, I would bet that, um, they 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 would have had to start those picks sooner to be able to have some protections on them, and stack the pick pick swap pick in order for that to work out and it sounds I'm guessing San Antonio just wasn't interested and like I said there's some possibility the Hawks want to use the 23 pick and a deal they might be working on right now too so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that stacks out but I mean I think it's completely fair to say this is unorthodox at this point in time I don't remember the last time I saw the picks that weren't at least top three you know in some cases even kind of top three and then top one you know uh kind of picks and things like that so that's 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 unusual. And, you know, when we look back at Travis's uh, dealings and I think he's done a pretty solid job, you know, uh, you know, since he's kind of came into the role, the Hawks are a pretty good team. They were pretty bad when he came to town um, and stuff like that overall. I mean, we any franchise, any executive, you can not nitpick what they did or didn't do, you know, it's easy to do in hindsight, but, you know, when they got Hunter, you know, I think the consensus was he overpaid, you know, in that transaction, and my recollection is that Minnesota was trying to get up to that pick and Travis had to kind of outbid Minnesota trying to get there. Um, in this case, we might find out that the Knicks were doing, like you mentioned a minute ago, were being super aggressive and pushed the Hawks towards something where they had to be pretty bold to, to kind of do what they wanted to do. So, um, I mean, Travis, I, I almost don't even want to kind of put that out as kind of a criticism. It's just that I think a fact is that Travis is willing to – Uh, be bold and go after the player that he thinks is the right player for them, even if that, if he pays like over market or or more than what the consensus felt was kind of fair to pay. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, I think it's exciting to have a a guy who just came off as first all-star coming into the franchise and Trey seems excited about it. And I think the pairing is super interesting. So overall I'm excited about this move for the Hawks, even if I have to be fair and say, Uh, the package they sent is, is one that we don't really see anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that in the average outcome for those draft picks, you know, that it's going to be a win, Uh, but it's certainly possible that, you know, there's some other (laughs) outcome. And I think that, you know, one thing that you, you want to weigh in here is like, you know, if you're willing to do a trade that involves uh, two unprotected picks, a pick swap and another protected pick I mean I think you want to do your due diligence around the league and find out what out, what else is out there for that price other than DeJounte Murray um, I mean I think you you know do you call OKC and find out what the price for for Shea Gilgis Alexander is like maybe he doesn't fit their timeline with it with as young as they're going like maybe that's something that you could get now it's a different setup contract wise. You'd have to be willing to pay a lot more. His contract is a lot bigger uh, than DeJounte's is. DeJounte is going to be a steal for the next two years. And he, you know, with some, some uh, work on the back end, you know, they're going to be able to fit Murray in under the tax and you probably might not be able to do that for Shea, but for sure, you know, I think you, I think you've got to call around the league and say, hey, yeah, yeah, we're getting ready to do this deal. Hey, uh, you know, would you be willing to offer us this for this price? Because uh, I really like the Murray fit, but when you're paying that much, <laughs> you kind of you kind of want to know what you can buy for that price.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of when Milwaukee traded for Drew, and, and I saw um, what they spent for it. And this was at the exact same time Harden was trying to get himself traded out of Houston. And I, I remember saying on Twitter, "Could could you have gotten Harden for that price for that package?" Uh, and kind of the perception at the time being like, well, it's a no-brainer if you're going to pick between Harden and Drew. Now, I mean, you and I are going to laugh about the possibility of like Harden playing for Bud is kind of hilarious. But, you know, um, but I mean, now we know the Bucks won a championship. Drew was absolutely a, a massive contributor that year and it worked out for them, you know. Um, but th- that's an example of like, if the Bucs really wanted to chase the best player that was available at the time with that package, would that have been enough? to get Harden. Now now Harden had some control in some saying kind of where he was steering himself and things like that and, and and Drew's a different personality I think it's fair to say and such but you know to your point I mean I, at the time I was curious like should Milwaukee have checked in on Harden you know with that pack before they you know commit that package for Drew who's obviously at the time wasn't on the same level um uh maybe more so now you know potentially but um but it, it is interesting i mean the other the other factor is that i don't know when this trade is going to hit the books I, I don't know if it's going to be before the, the league year flips over and gallo uh, hits the spurs books with that uh lower um you know not non-guaranteed amount I, so it's gonna be interesting to see if they had
0: to do this before what six o'clock Eastern tomorrow, I think. Oh, I think they do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe I'm missing something, but I think they do.
1: Yeah, that that, it, that seems most likely. They wait.
0: Yeah, that he's going to be a free likely. agent if if you don't. Unless they had some behind the scenes.
1: Well, it's, it's just they, they would have to move his bigger salary if he's still on the roster. Oh, right, right. That's right. That's right. right. That's right. That's right. So, so we don't know if that. they don't, don't want. They, that's
0: the whole point, though. They don't want the fully guaranteed deal, though. Like no, right.
1: So so it seems they got to get it in now. Yeah, that seems very very likely, but. You will see things happen all the time where it's like, well, here the Hawks and Spurs are made to a trade. And then the third team is like, Hey, we want to get on that. We'd like to reroute Gallo to us. If you can wait until July 1st, then we'll take him in and we could do this. It's, it's weird stuff happens where it's like, okay, the Spurs and Hawks have a plan. And then a the third team shows up and goes, uh, we have an idea. That happens sometimes. That, so that can, but it would
0: have to happen before six o'clock because the, the Spurs do not want. I guess somebody could talk and but I don't think see the teams don't want nobody's gonna want Gallo at that price, though. Like I don't know. I mean, it seems very, very unlikely. I agree. Seems very
1: unlikely. But, but you know, the somebody, might, worry, somebody might somebody might be like, we want to get rid of salaries, so we're willing to take that on. You know, or or, or whatever. You know, so it's that's true. weird. Weird stuff happens. So yeah. yeah,
0: if you have like a a twenty million a, a year contract for four years that you don't like. Exactly, uh, you could swap it, sure. But uh, yeah, I would. I would say that's going to be on the unlikely end. This seems Agreed. like something that has to happen before sixth. Uh, I think that's the. I think Thursday. that's the plan. Seems
1: like that's the plan for sure. Uh, what else? <laughs> so I think we talked a little bit about how would Desante fit. Uh, I don't know if we. I don't know if you still kind of see it that way, or, um, you know, I think we've talked about for me that I think he's going to absolutely uh kind of obliterate seams on the weak side and we have talked about how herder and hunter and kind of the wings have not been aggressive kind of attacking the paint with the dribble and that's something that's going to be a real differentiation there and then on defense i think it's not going to be the hunter show all the time on ball now i think you get you know a guy who um is better uh, on ball generally speaking um there's a there's some nuance to that for sure um but i you know i mean we'll we'll hear like oh he's not a shooter And we've talked about the fact that the Hawks are going to have to put shooting at the three and the four, to in lineups to make this work as best to optimize it, right? Right. Um, And then trading Gallo—that that's you know was probably your that was your best shooting big on the roster the last two years, no doubt about that. So, so so the Hawks have a little bit of work to do to make this to optimize this. Uh, In my opinion, it's going to be interesting the next few days to kind of of see see what see what they do. Um, You know, they I think they could move. I think they could move Herder. I think we none of us would be surprised if they move Collins. I, it's, I'm hearing. I think we're hearing less about the possibility of Capella getting moved. I think you know maybe that maps back to Trey's really happy to get DeJounte and Trey really likes having Clint around. So you know I, I think we're I, you know I wonder what next move we're going to make and how they're going to go about constructing the rest of the roster. But you know especially if they move Collins, I, it'll be interesting to see how they get shooting back on the roster. Specifically at the power forward position.
0: What do you think is the future for DeLon Wright? I mean, is there enough uh, duplication there that either the Hawks don't want Wright or Wright looks at this and says, uh, you know, wherever I go is probably going to be a one year deal, but if I stay in Atlanta, uh, I might not get the reps that I would have hoped for, so I want to go somewhere else. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, if he has interest in coming back, I think it would be a, a massive mistake to not find a way to make that work. Um, I, you know, when you look, especially if they're going to, for example, move Herder, right? That's, I mean, I mean, having right to kind of fill the minutes at the one and two uh, is quite ideal. You know, and <clears throat> as we've seen, you know, in Atlanta, which is also represented the rest of his career. He he doesn't feel strongly about being on ball. He doesn't feel strongly about being quote, the point guard on offense. And so, I think he's that versatility he offers kind of fits around Trey and Murray. I, I wouldn't mind that some lineups seeing all three of them playing together. I think that gives them some real defensive tenacity. So, um, you know they they have his uh not they have his full bird right, so they can bring him back basically at any price tag because he got traded in. Um, um, but of course if they gave him kind of like you know, high play, like $10 million contract. Um, that's going to be more problematic for the tax. So that doesn't seem likely. So, I mean, hopefully they can find a way to make it happen. Um, I think he's a great fit around Trey. And I think he's a, a nice fit around DeJounte too. Um, and could, Especially because especially he can shoot the basketball and can help Trey or DeJounte when one of the one of the two are off the court. So, but I think it's mostly going to come down to where does DeJounte want to play? I think it's mostly just Delon picking his spot. I think there, I would imagine, there are a lot of teams that look at him as a guy that can get a you know pretty affordably that is a really reliable dude.
0: Yeah. Uh, If if you were looking at this roster and working on a budget and trying to figure out, hey, uh, how do we get shooting on this roster? Uh, You know, what would you try first?
1: I think the first place I'd go looking is. Uh, talking to Detroit about Kelly Olenek. I think we've talked about him a little bit before, but with Gallo out, I think he's uh, um, he's more affordable than Gallo was last two years. And some would say a better player than Gallo. I don't agree with that, but I've heard that as I've talked to people about that the last few days. Um, I think Gallo's shooting is, is such an outlier value at his size and, and the position that I think he's better. I, I think they're pretty comparable value overall. Uh, Linux is still a really good passer and a really smart player um, and probably at this point moves a little better than Gallo but that's a pretty low bar you know but That's what, but that's one place to check in I and mean, you'd have to send some enough salary out to make that work because he's not you know I don't I think he's in the 12, 13, 14 million dollar range and he's on an expiring deal I can't remember the exact number but I think he's right in that range so the Hawks would have to you know do something with like Herder for example probably to kind of to kind of make that work or stack up a few young guys you know if that's an option too, but that I'd start there. Um, you know, um, Nemanja Bielica, you know, played for the Warriors last year. He's a guy who might you might get on a minimum ish deal that can bring shooting at the four. He's not as good as um, as Gallo. Um, uh, but but those are two guys that's kind of come to mind that would allow you to just, just put some uh, like really reliable shooting at the, at the power four position that might, might work.
0: If, if, uh, if let's, let's work into the scenario where Collins goes out, uh, but at least one of, of Herder and Bogdanovich stays, are, are there small ball lineups that work?
1: You know, I think so. I think I think getting Dejounte in um, his point of attack defense and his, if we could call it point guard defense gives you a lot um, more options on how you're going to defend one, two, three, and sometimes even at the four, depending on how the other team is is what kind of lineup the other team is playing. And so, I do think this gives you kind of more configurability ar- around that, and I think that could work. Now. I I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but Collins enables you to play more small ball, (laughs) you know, when you have them depending upon kind of how you're managing center position. But I think, I think we, I think there's a possibility to see more Hunter at the four. Um, I mean, part of that depends on how much Jalen is actually ready to play this year as well. I think, you know, I think he'll be a four. And one thing that kind of unlocks a lot of that is, uh, you know, I don't think people realize like Murray average, like, uh, well, like eight point three rebounds a game last. I mean, he was the best rebounding guard in the league, I think, last year. Maybe, maybe Luca. I think Luca maybe out rebounding by a little bit. Um, but of course, Luca's like what six eight or whatever, <laughs> whatever right. he is, you know. Um, and so you know, the, the the stuff. I mean, Murray is a really physical defender. You know, he can handle guys bigger than him. Uh, I think surprisingly well. Um, good help defender. Uh, even has the presence of the rim sometimes and is a great rebounder. And I think that all that stuff was kind of mostly lacking last year, you know, I'm at the wing for the Hawks. And, and I, and so I think his presence, the kind of presence he brings allows you to maybe play smaller lineups more. I think that's
0: possible. Oh. How would you differentiate on your point of attack defense for which matchups go to DeAndre Hunter and which go to Murray? Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm interested to hear your view on this too. Um, for me, Hunter is is pretty is excellent navigating screens, especially for a guy his size. knows how to use his length and has the footwork working over ball screens, especially. Staying attached to his guy, even when he, even when his guy gets a little separation, kind of the the technique to kind of get reattached to him. Where where Hunter is um, sometimes not as solid as defending completely in space without the screen, and um and and that's that's not uncommon for a guy who has as much size as he has to be, kind of a little better in traffic uh, than he is completely in space, especially when he's guarding a much smaller you know, it's much much smaller guys. You think about throwing Hunter on like Kyrie, you know, or someone like that, um, or putting him on, you know, it's a kind of another kind of smallest guy who, you know, attacks a lot, um, in the league, um, you -hmm. know, like a, like a Donovan Mitchell, you know, say a guy like that, um, in space, not quite as good, um, working around ball screens and, in. uh, in situations where he's, you know, there's a lot of communication. He's, he's really, really, really good. Murray is better in space. Um, and, and I, and I I think that if you have a guy who wants to draw his defender out in the space, like Harden has done over the years, I would, I would move towards Murray in that situation. And when you want a really, really high pick and roll team, I might lean more towards Hunter, uh, in, in that situation. That's at, at the highest level, that's how I differentiate the two. Um, and, and then, I mean, another simple kind of part of that is Murray on kind of the smaller guys and Hunter on the bigger guys because Hunter has, you know, the frame. <laughs> I mean, that's always
0: know. part of it, right?
1: Right, for sure. And so that – I mean, that's how I, I break it down. There, Murray has a lot of value off the ball because he's really good jumping, passing lanes. He's really good one man away from the ball, digging, stunting, stripping, you know, and he, and he led the League of Stills last year. And in a lot of ways, if you – if you can get Hunter on the ball and get Murray kind of one man away from the ball, that's a pretty ideal situation. Of course, I mean, the game is obviously so dynamic. It's hard to like know how static, how, much, how often you're going to have that, but, but some, some teams kind of run the same offense, like, uh, you know, a pretty prescriptive offense. so You can kind of get that in the works, but I think that I think people who are saying, Hey, Murray has a lot of value off the ball. I think they're right in saying that. But I think that we all need to think back to last year and r- recall like how bad the Hawks were at the point of attack that they're going to need to optimize that as much as they can, which is better if they have the long too. So, uh, do you see that differently? The defensive no, kind of configuration? I,
0: I, I, that all sounds good to me. Okay. Uh, it, it with the situation being what it is. Uh, Matt, I, I think that Trey and DeGente are going to be a good pairing together, but do you also sort of optimize the situation by keeping one of them on the court at all times? Uh, you know, I, since he's taken over Schlenk has uh, eschewed the notion of a backup point guard in, in a number right. of seasons. Uh, is that going to be the case again? Uh, with some sort of split of minutes where uh, one of them stays on the court?
1: I hope I hope so. I think DeJounte should be running the offense every minute Trey is off. That, that makes sense to me. Now, that could change a little bit as the roster potentially changes over the next few days, you know, but the way that it looks right now, I think that's a no-brainer. He um, Last year he was top 10 in drives in uh, points – uh, scored on drives per game um and so that that kind of gives you an idea of like what he can do like on the weak side attacking seams but he was in the 60th percentile in the pick and roll um which sounds like pedestrian but i mean the spurs were i think 18th and three-point shooting and they didn't really have a centers that can kind of put a lot of pressure on the rim you know like portal is not a vertical you know big man right um and nor was anyone else on the roster that played time at center spent time at center there so being in the 60th percentile without a lot of shooting around you and without a role man that's gonna you you know really convert a lot of opportunities at the rim but i think that's pretty impressive um and and so i i I think that i I think that he should be the point guard every minute trade is off from my current from my view right now
0: is uh do you have anything else you want to put in here before we sign off? We'll probably have to pot again soon uh, with more changes for in, sure. in yeah. the works over the next couple of days. So you, you'll it, get more opportunities, but yeah. uh, no, just anything one else you quick, want to fire away
1: about? One quick last one is just, I think when they're playing together, it'll trail by into it, getting trade off ball more, say ball handling workload going down for trade. Um, kind of right-sizing that to a way that kind of helps Trey and then getting Trey more catch-and-shoot. Trey was one of the single best catch-and-shoot three-point shooters in the league, but the volume has been low because however you want to word it, they've had to have him initiating all their offense. You know, I think that dynamic can, if Trey will buy in, change a lot and it could really benefit Trey a ton. He might have more juice at the end of the game and might become a more efficient scorer, even get to another level of, of of efficiency as a scorer. But that, that takes the coaching staff and Trey kind of buying in. I have no doubt DeJounte can be good enough um, initiating offense to get Trey off the ball more to, again, right size this workload and get him more um, opportunities that he's really, really good with. So that's the last thing I would kind of throw out there tonight.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Kevin. Have a good night. In you.